Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to the art of being you. If you are a regular listener, I want to say welcome back. And you know what I'm going to say. And that is that I've got a brand new book available called Goodness Culture, Recovering the Essence of Eden. If you want to read a little bit more about the book, read some of the uh, endorsements, um, see what people are saying about the book, or even read a couple of quotes, you can go to my social media uh, on my Instagram at Rachel Wartman or on Facebook as well. Those are my two primary social media channels right now. And you can check out the book there and see a little bit, see if you are interested in reading it for yourself. Um, but I would love for you to get a copy. That would be awesome. You can only buy it on my website, www.rachelwartman.com. Um, and so if you go to Amazon and type it in, you're going to find my last book, which has a different title. Um, but this is the one that I want you to get goodness culture, recovering the essence of Eden, talking all about the goodness of God and what it looks like for a culture of people, a society of people to build their life on that foundation. It looks different than what we see in a lot of churches in America today. So um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that announcement. I know I'm I'm repeating it over and over again. I'm brainwashing you. I'm uh, <laughs> building neural pathways in your mind. I'm, I'm teasing you guys, sort of. Uh, no, but I want to talk today about something that's been on my mind a lot personally recently and kind of felt that little nudge from the Holy Spirit to put it on the podcast. And so, you know, you might be asking, well, how do you pick what topics? Well, the Holy Spirit tells me. So that's a very... Um, that probably sounds ridiculous to some of you guys, and I get that. But, you know, it was God's idea for me to start this podcast. Um, and honestly, when I go to record, he usually tells me, this is exactly what I want you to do, and here's what I want you to say. And it's shocking to me because I regularly hear people talk about how the podcast is blessing their life, and it's all Jesus, you guys. I feel like I have very little to do with this podcast. It's literally Jesus, I think, through me. Um, and it's pretty amazing to see. I Just about every week I have somebody saying, I came across your podcast and I decided to start at the beginning and listen to all the episodes. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Some of you guys have listened from the beginning and caught up pretty quickly. So uh, I guess I'm bingeable now. So there we go. Um, today, again, I want to talk about something that's that's current to me. And I'm talking about the difference between reacting and responding. So a little over a year ago, maybe two years ago, um, I really started being challenged that I felt like I was too much of a reactionary person. What do I mean by that? Well, I have a little flair for the dramatic. If you know me well uh, or you're around me in a casual setting, <clears throat> I'm not saying I exaggerate. I do feel like that's a line that I don't like to cross. Like that to me is lying. But I do like to um, perform stories. I like to... I like a flair for the drama. I like to make facial expressions to display my frustration in different things. My husband can tell you um, I'm very vocal about what I think and believe. And I have felt I just came to this point where I felt like I was maybe too reactionary. You know, like I would have a, re a reaction quickly and I wouldn't be proud of it later. 
And I'm not even saying they were all bad, but I felt like I would jump on something. I would unleash my opinion about something before stopping to ask questions, stopping to try to make sure I understood. And, and it, it, I don't know, it was like the Holy Spirit started convicting me is the only way that I can explain it. Well, over the course of the last year, especially, um, thank you, Jesus. He has given me so many experiences and opportunities to practice letting go of my reactions. And that is code, that's positive speak for a lot of really challenging situations that I've been in where I had an opportunity. Do I react or do I respond? Well, before we keep going in that story, let me tell you what the difference is. Essentially, reacting is our primal response. Now, when you say primal in a Christian world, red flags go up. Do you believe in Darwinism? Are you an evolutionist? <laughs> I can't even say that word. Uh, no, I'm not. I do not believe in evolution. I, in fact, believe the things that they think are evolutionary findings are actually a common DNA, um, a common thumbprint, basically, of the singular creator, right? God created all things, so there is a connectivity in the world, but it is not because amoebas became fish, who became sea sharks, who became alligators who became people, you know, that's not what Darwinians believe, but you know what I mean? So what I'm saying to you is that when I say the word primal, I'm really meaning like instinctual from the flesh. When we have activated the part of our biology that holds the fight or flight syndrome, the fight or flight response. So when we are having a primal response, it is, it is usually very sharp and it is almost always without thought or thoughtfulness and without perspective. When we respond, we are considering the situation at hand. We are thoughtful in our approach to respond, and we hold perspective when we issue our response. So, you know, here's a great example. Will Smith and Chris Rock, right? Will Smith reacts to what Chris Rock does, says, and then Chris Rock responds. See, Chris Rock could have reacted, but he took control of that urge to fight back, of that urge to do something that would have also tarnished his own image. And he responded in actually like impressive Oscar worthy manner by regaining his own self-control. Reacting really just erodes the trust that we have with people, but responding builds trust. So here's a great example. What do I mean by thoughtfulness and perspective? Well, Take your, your, take somebody in your family, for example, maybe your spouse or a brother or sister. If you are thinking in your right mind, right? Like you're not angry. You're just thinking the value that this family member has to you. That's your perspective. Um, the future that you want to have with this family member, that's perspective. And your empathetic feelings about how they feel in their life, how they're doing in their life. That's perspective and thoughtfulness. So when you stop and consider these things, then you could say, I, let me just use an example with my husband. I don't want you to feel like I am mad at you. I don't want you to, to carry the weight of my reactions because you feel like, you know, in a moment of frustration, I said something that maybe isn't not true, right? Maybe something that's, that's not a lie, um, but it's said in a way that's hurtful instead of helpful. When I'm thinking about my husband, ir like, ir like not in a reaction moment, then I'm actually thinking I want to better my marriage. I want it to thrive. 
I want it to go forward. When I'm reacting, I don't care about the future. I care about right now, how I feel in this moment. You double cross me or, you know, whatever, right? You made me mad and now you need to pay. Can you see the difference here? So what I believe maturity in the Holy Spirit is, is much more responding than it is reacting. Are you ever going to not react? Probably not, right? Jesus even had his moments, i.e. get behind me, Satan, saying that to Peter, one of his best friends. Uh, He had a few moments, right, where he had a bit of a reaction. So our reactions are not always sinful. Sometimes they are. They're not always sinful. But when we take the time to respond, and the time might even be 30 seconds, you guys. It doesn't have to be like, give me a few days to collect my thoughts about this. It could be just slowing down enough to do what? To regain perspective and regain thoughtful understanding of what's going on and who this person is to us. Is this a biblical concept? Well, yes. So let's look at a couple of scriptures that talk about this. So the Bible actually uses the phrase slow to anger, both in describing God and describing what people should be like, at least six times. Psalm 145 verse 8, Psalm 86 verse 15, Proverbs 14, verse 29, Proverbs 15, verse 18, Ecclesiastes 7, 9, and James 1, 19. Every single one of those verses encourages you to be slow to anger, to be slow to speak. This is interesting, right? Because the Bible is reminding us over and over and over again that, yes, reacting is sort of second nature, but it's the second nature that Jesus took onto the cross. It's not the part of your nature that is eternal. Your ability to pause, be patient for just a second, and then respond from the place of your spirit and not your flesh is what makes the kingdom of God different than the kingdom of the darkness. Okay, it's not the only thing, right? But it's one of the things. So I heard a a pastor tell me this once. Um, She was doing an equipping for women in ministry and uh, for women senior pastors especially. And she was saying, this was so interesting. It stuck with me all these years. She said, you know, what I've realized is in one moment of frustration, when I let my guard down and essentially have a reaction, I can erode all the trust I've spent years building. Now I'm not seen as a safe leader anymore because of one moment. And you know, you might be saying, no way, that's not true. Well, think about it. If you see your pastor fly off the handle one time, it doesn't matter what's going on in their life. That's it, right? You might still go to that church, but you're not going to see them in the same way unless you learn how to give grace, how to forgive. And not everybody, unfortunately, chooses to learn to do that. I actually learned this the hard way Years ago, uh, I was in a team meeting with my church staff and we were talking about something and one of the people on the team was sharing. I already was kind of frustrated in this situation going into the meeting and then this person was sharing their opinion, which was not only countercultural to what we were building in the church, but it was also unbiblical. And I was really struggling because this person was so adamant and they kept saying it over and over and over again in this conversation. And as the leader, I was sitting there really struggling with what to do, right? Because it felt like it was tainting the whole meeting and it was taking the whole meeting a direction that was different. And I was trying to gently say, I don't think we're going to do that kind of thing. And after like the fourth or fifth time that this thing got brought up, I just kind of was like fed up, you know, and the mama bear in me came out. 
And I, I wasn't, I don't feel like I did anything that was like, um, mean spirited, but I was intense in my response and basically just said, I don't know exactly what I said, but something to the effect of this is not what we're going to do. This is, you know, the end of that conversation. What you're saying is actually unbiblical and that's not what we're going to do. It was probably a little more tense than that, but that was sort of the idea. Well, that's not the way that I lead. I don't come against people like that uh, in public. If I'm going to confront them, I'll do it in a peaceful way in, in private. But in this particular situation, I let my reaction make me feel like I wouldn't be able to get this, con- this topic back on track you know, if I waited until the meeting was over to address this person, it was a bad decision. It was a really tense thing when it happened. The whole room kind of looked at me, sucked the life right out of the room. And I apologized right away, you know, just kind of a quick, like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to mean, let's move on. We moved on. The meeting lasted about 10 more minutes. It was over. As I'm driving home, I just was feeling so sick to my stomach. Like, man, I'm really disappointed that I didn't handle myself better in that moment. So I prayed about it. I'm like, what do you want me to do, Holy Spirit? And I called every single person that was in that meeting and talked to them for about 30 minutes each, just repenting to them for letting my flesh get the better of me in that moment, asking them to forgive me, extend grace, et cetera. And, um, and, and, you know, that was the best that I could do, right? That's all I could ask for. Well, some of them were able to do that and some of them weren't. And some of the people in the room got really frustrated and I, I can't really blame them. You know, I think maybe my perspective would be maybe they're being a little short-sighted, but that's, I'm biased, you know? And there was some damage control that happened over the course of several months because of one 30 second decision that the leader made, (laughs) which was me. And it sucks, right? It's really hard to come face to face with how a reaction changes things. But here's the thing. Our reactions are painting a picture of who we are to everybody around us. Our reactions on social media when we're pissed about something political, pardon my French, you know, that that sends a message to people. Even if you're over it, once you've sent, click, you know, send or post, the people reading it are now being drawn into your reaction, your family, your friends. It does really matter. Responding builds trust when we take a second to just think about it. So let me just kind of transition a little bit and and wrap this podcast up by talking about what's happening to someone who's reacting. Reactionary people usually have given something to the person they're reacting at that they shouldn't have given. So what do I mean by that? Well, if I give validation power to you, then if you don't validate me, I'm going to be mad at you, right? Like if I give you the power to validate me, my idea, my vision, whatever, then when you don't choose to do that, I have now, I have an issue because I've given you power over me. The same way if we assign our value or our worth, if we tell our parents, you have to tell me what I'm worth, right? You have to be, you have to assure me that I have value. Well, now we've given our parents power over ourselves that they probably don't know how to steward more often than not anyway. Now, does God give them that power too? Yes. And they also sometimes, you know, don't use that correctly. So maybe parents isn't the best example, but let's talk about our relationships or our friendships, right? We say to our best friend, you, we think this, that you make me feel normal. You make me feel loved. You make me feel not lonely. And so when you do something that disrupts that, I am agonizing because I gave you the power of my loneliness, 
I put the power of my value, my, my appearance, you know, all of that into somebody else. Same could go for approval, right? So it's not just validation. It's not just value and worth. It's actually our approval. Do you think I'm a worthwhile person? Do you think I'm good at my job? Do you think I'm, you know, good in, in this relationship? Am I doing the right things as a believer? We say to our pastor, you have permission to tell me if I'm a godly person or not. Now, some of those things might be in very small amounts correct and accurate, but not in the amount that most of us do. Let me just step on some toes for a second. Sometimes when we get hurt by the church, it's because we've given the pastor or the leader power as if they are Jesus. We have forgotten for a moment that they're a human being, farts and flaws, you know? They're not able to hold the power that Jesus needs to hold in our life. So when we're reacting and we are a reactionary person, we have to step back and realize in what ways am I assigning something to someone that's not right for them to hold over me? When adults have a reaction, it's kind of like a toddler having a tantrum. You know, toddlers throw fits for a couple of reasons. Number one, they're tired. Number two, they're hungry. Number three, they're not getting their way and they don't know what else to do. <laughs> you know, they want their way and they're just convinced if they keep lying on the floor and screaming their head off, somebody will give them what they want. Adults are not that far behind, right? But for toddlers, a lot of times they're doing that because they don't have the words to express what's going on inside of them. So they don't have the words to say, I'm hungry. So they just start crying. They don't have the words to say, I'm tired, so they just start melting down, right? And mom and dad have to be keyed in enough to say, oh, sweetie, you're tired, let's go take a nap, you know? Adults are, a lot of adults are not that far from that. We don't always have the language to express, I'm hurting, I'm feeling unloved, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm hangry, <laughs> Some of us don't know what to do when we're told no and we're not getting our way. We feel like our life is over. So if you are a reacting person, if you're somebody who reacts significantly more than you respond, I really want you to put some thought into this. Put some thought into what ways have you given power to people that maybe they shouldn't have? In what ways are you not able to identify what you're feeling? Let me just give you an uber personal example for a moment um, as we wrap up today's episode. So my biggest reaction area was in my marriage for a long time because I would get to this point where I couldn't understand um, what was going on inside of me. I just knew I needed something to change. And because I'm a strong person, I just felt like if I apply enough pressure, I can make that change, right? And a little over a year ago, I got introduced to a, um, a newer counseling process, counseling evaluation called attachment theory. And it was uh, came about in about the 70s, I believe. And I'm telling you guys, this is probably the single biggest thing that's changed in my personal life um, on the very like on the very vulnerable private part of me, um, because I began to realize what was happening when I would start to feel abandoned. Now, not necessarily physically abandoned, but emotionally abandoned. And when I would feel emotionally abandoned, like I was going through something and my spouse is not able to support me for whatever reason, then I would lash out because I needed some sort of response, and even if it was negative. And the negative response made me feel something that kind of, you know, pushed against that abandonment. 
So we had a situation just a couple of weeks ago. So here I've been working on this for a long time, right? Over a year that I've been really, really disciplining myself to stop, think, key into what's going on inside of me. Am I feeling, you know, unloved? Am I feeling worthless? Am I feeling um, like I'm off track? All these different things, right? Just check in with myself and then deal with it. Take it to Jesus. Take it to people I'm offended at, whatever. And so um, in this moment, a couple of weeks ago, I, we were going through something that was really difficult, some stuff that was coming up that I was, I was having a hard time processing. Um, and it wasn't like sin or anything. It was just disappointing. And my husband was also having a hard time processing it because it was difficult. It was a hard situation. And his particular response usually is to go kind of inward into himself. He's very introverted. He's a very internal processor. And so when he's going through a hard time, he just has a tendency to kind of withdraw and go inward and sort of work it through. And unfortunately, I am not able to do that. When I go inward, it's like a black layer that I sometimes can't get out of. And so I, I don't do that very often. And so I need somebody to help me process externally, right? Well, this was kind of a, a sensitive situation, so it's not like I could just talk to anybody about it. And I found myself realizing that the growth that I'd had through this reacting versus responding was happening on full display because I'm telling you two years ago in this same situation, I would have started lashing out at him to be like, why aren't you doing this for me? And, and then going through this whole litany of all the prior things you've ever done that made me frustrated that is so unfair to him because I'm having a moment that's not pleasant, right? Like I'm trying to bring all these other people into my unpleasantness. So in that moment, I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh, I know what I'm feeling. When I took that moment to try to respond instead of react, I know what I'm feeling. I'm feeling a little bit emotionally abandoned because I need to work through this by talking it through. And the more I talk to you about it, the more withdrawn you get because you're also going through this. And I'm trying to decide who's more important in this moment, right? You taking that time or you having to force yourself because we're both having to do something that's not intuitive. And when we had this come to Jesus moment a couple weeks ago, it wasn't, it was like not an argument. I was literally standing in my kitchen looking at him and I said, I'm realizing this is how I'm feeling. And I'm also recognizing you're probably feeling this way. And he's like, yeah, for sure. And it didn't really fix the pressure, but it gave me language to be able to respond without hurting the person that I love the most. Why? Because the thoughtfulness and the perspective were added in to what was going on. So in summation, I really want to encourage you, if you're a reactionary person, go back and listen to the beginning of this episode and start studying those scriptures that I listed out earlier and really start thinking about how to key into your own self when you're prone to react, what is going on? What have you given power to somebody else to do that really belongs to Jesus and not them? And, you know, and what else might be going on inside of you that you can articulate to respond instead of reacting and hurting the people around you? I hope this is helpful for you guys. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.